0: all right right, here we go this is the nba dream podcast for rj bell's dream preview i'm your host sleepy j joined once again by nba betting expert Mackenzie rivers Mackenzie and myself we'll go ahead we'll cover some hot nba topics the nba wednesday games and of course our best bets also wednesday is time for our featured podcast segment the wednesday five i'll announce last week's winners here in a bit if you guys don't know what the wednesday five is stay tuned find out and you guys could actually go ahead and win a little bit of cash let's go ahead and bring in Mackenzie Mackenzie I gotta ask you this one I was curious I was thinking about this one before which one you would like
1: better the NBA dunk contest or the three-point contest which one do you prefer uh it's it's flipped for me when Vince Carter did the windmill 360 in 2000 and cashed as the odds-on favorite to win I believe the the dunk contest in 2000, that was the pinnacle. That was the coolest thing i had ever seen as a 10 year old. But a few and far between have dunk contests like that been. Meanwhile, the three point contest is entertaining every year. The best in the world. I mean, that's what they're actually the best in the world at. They're not the best dunkers in the world. The best dunkers in the world are Harlem Globetrotters and they dunk for a living. But NBA players are the best shooters in the world. So three point contest for me. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: I think three point contest too. I I would suggest maybe they make a couple adjustments. Like, we know, like, Steph Curry and those guys are bombing away from deep. Maybe there should be, like, a spot where you get, like, three balls from, like, you know, 30 feet, 35 feet somewhere there and and maybe add something, you know, kind of to spice that up a little bit. But I think one of the things they should do with the dunk contest is discontinue it (laughs) for, like, a two- or three-year period just so everybody can kind of miss it because I felt like I haven't watched it, you know, in so long, but – There's so many guys out there that are talented, but it seems like, you know, when you get guys, they they don't want to do it. And maybe that would encourage them, you know, to actually do it. Is that the fact that they're that they weren't even asked to do it? So, I don't know. I was just thinking about that today. But let's go ahead. Let's get down to business here. We got a few games that we do want to look at here uh, for our Wednesday card. Let's go ahead. Let's start it out here with the Washington Wizards. They'll be on the road against the Philadelphia 76ers. Current line in this game, uh, only one line available right now at DraftKings Philadelphia minus seven and a half, currently no total on this one. Mac, these teams just played on Halloween night. 76ers got the win there, 118-111. Keynote from that game, Joel Embiid was out, non-COVID-related illness. Now the 76ers, they've won three in a row. Wizards have lost three in a row. So two teams that are currently going in two different directions. And right now, Joel Embiid is listed as questionable for this game. So Mackenzie, I want you to kind of dig into your power ratings here for us. Let's say Embiid plays this game.
1: Where does this line end up? And if he sits, where does this line end up? I have this line at eight and a half with a fully healthy Joel Embiid. So I'm thinking that there's the market is saying highly likely he's going to play. If he does sit, we've generally seen about a five point move. However, two and oh straight up in ATS without Embiid this year. Tyrese Maxey has shown a big time in both of those games. So maybe not. As much of a downgrade as in years past, so if he sits, I'm going to say this ends up at three and a half or four points. Sixers favored. I would be inclined to probably back the Wizards in this game. I think that I would rather
0: Embiid out because I feel like that'll put a little bit of pressure here on Harden and Maxi. And this team's been rolling along. They've been on the road. They they just won three games in a row. And I wonder if like Harden and Maxi, like all right, finally we got the keys to the Cadillac. Embiid's out again. And they just gun up a bunch of shots that are unnecessary. I kind of think that that might actually happen. Now the 76ers, you know, 118, 111 in the last game, you know, they didn't cover this seven and a half. And I think that the wizards would another look and look, I like this wizards team. I think they're actually not that bad of a team. I would take the points with them. You know, if I can get four and a half or more, um, I'll take them. And if Embiid plays and you give me eight and a half, you got to wonder if he's a hundred percent and how long he might actually play. So you know, hopefully he's all right. I don't know necessarily know what, what happened with him, but they did say that he was, uh, you know, dealing with some type of sickness. So that's kind of where I'm looking in that game. I'm guessing you probably don't really have much uh, in terms of
1: a lean or a like, do you? No, I would look at the Wizards early. Uh, we've seen uh, teams coming off a loss, facing that team again within two days, so immediate revenge opportunity. Uh, three and five straight up in ATS, they haven't done well, but five and three in the first quarter And in the first quarter, those eight teams combined are plus 20 for the game. They're only plus 12. So they actually give some of that back after the first quarter. Uh, I would look at Washington uh, for a revenge spot here to, um, you know, like you said, they're on a three game losing streak. So I'd look at I'd look at the Wizards first quarter. That's that's an interesting opportunity, I I would I would say. All right. Interesting note there. Probably could certainly go ahead and take a look at that.
0: Uh, Mac, it's time for our crazy NBA predictions. I have one this week. Mac is going to go ahead and pass this week. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take San Antonio Spurs, Keldon Johnson to make the all-star team in some way, shape, or fashion. doesn't matter if he's an alternate player. doesn't matter if he makes the roster, I guess. Whoa, whoa. Keldon Johnson of the Spurs, the NBA all-star game. Keldon Johnson of the Spurs will make the all-star game. Listen, the the Spurs, they, they stunk last year and DeJounte Murray, He made the all-star team. And I do believe that traded away Murray because he has some limitations in his game that I don't believe that Johnson actually has. Murray's biggest flaw is that he lacks being a three-point shooter. Uh, He never took enough, at least, you know, when there were many games where I backed him and I was like, dude, you just don't shoot enough threes. Sure, he can go off for, you know, 24, 26, 28 points, you know, on, on a good night. But he never really seems to have like those monster games or like, You know, a consistent 30 point night, you know, each not each and every night. But, you know, if you can get two or three of those from him a week, that's actually quite surprising. Much of that is due just to the lack of a three point shot. And Keldon Johnson doesn't seem to have that issue. He's in the paint. He's at the free throw line. He's at the three point line. He assists the ball well, rebounds. I think the Spurs actually might have thought that Keldon Johnson was actually an upgrade or pretty much even Steven to a player of DeJounte Murray, which might sound crazy. But look, they got rid of Murray, and they got a decent return for him. Johnson right now is averaging 23 points a game, five rebounds, four boards. I can only see his numbers going up, and I think that I'll make this prediction, and, and maybe this isn't exactly crazy, but I think Keldon Johnson is going to end up having more 30-point games this year than DeJounte Murray. So that's my crazy prediction, Keldon Johnson, to go ahead and make the all-star team this season. If the Spurs dunk last year and, and DeJounte Murray made it, the Spurs could stink again and and Keldon Johnson could have better numbers than what DeJounte Murray actually put up last year. So I'll give that out as my crazy prediction there, Mac. I'll let you go ahead and have the floor. What do you think? Am I totally nuts or what?
1: I like the, uh, I like the angle that you're pursuing here. It's an interesting concept because yeah, his numbers have been great. 24 points. That's seven plus over last season, his assists have doubled from two to four. So he's still a young player. like DeJounte Murray understandable that we've already seen that leap expect him to continue on a very talent uh, bereft team to have those opportunities to shine so here's let's just break down the math of it so last year's all-star game you're right De- DeJounte Murray moved Donovan Mitchell moved Rudy Gobert moved Rudy Gobert still in the west so he could still uh, make the all-star team Draymond Green was an injury replacement last year don't expect him to to uh, get many votes this year, Clay Thompson, he's fully back, but I don't think him he's gonna make an All Star team. So on the other side, Anthony Davis didn't make it last year. He should make it. Anthony Edwards didn't make it last year. He should make it. So it's an interesting five to one shot. I say you're live. It would it would surprise me, but you know, I mean, as far as ridiculous, impossible predictions, if that comes true, good good on you. I will be patting myself in the back and referring everybody to the podcast
0: that we did on. November the second of twenty twenty two, Sleepy like said so.
1: <laughs> Are there
0: odds for this, Mr. McKenzie? Dude, do you ever see odds that you can actually bet on this stuff for guys to make the All Star team or not?
1: Yeah, I've seen odds posted on on uh, you know offshore sites at different times. I wonder if uh, I wonder when they will post those odds. I haven't seen them yet. All right,
0: cool. Well, I'll be looking for those. I, I actually have never made a bet, you know, for a guy to make an All Star team, but that's something cool if we can go ahead and find those. We do have a bet here. Uh, from our guests, we got Jake's move. Uh, he's going to go ahead and give you guys his best bet for the card on Wednesday. Let's go ahead and give it a listen.
2: So for my best bet, I'm going to the ESPN late night matchup with the Blazers and Grizzlies. And I'm going to take the points of plus three and a half with uh, with the Portland Trailblazers at home. Now, going back to some preseason win total projections. And I was really high on the Blazers with the additions they made in the offseasons. And I wasn't that high on the Grizzlies to live up to the expectations that they set for themselves going back to last season. You know, Dame Lillard will be out for the Blazers for this matchup, but they have a lot of experience going back to last season playing without Dame. And Anthony Simons was off to a great start this year. Uh, I think the ball will be in his hands a lot more and his usage will go up. And he's in the running for most improved players. So I think he has a big game along with some of the offseason additions the Blazers brought in with Jeremy Grant and the full season of Josh Hart and getting back a use of Nurkic healthy uh, for hopefully for a full season as well. Looking at Memphis getting out to their first seven games, their defense just hasn't been what it was last year as they're currently ranked in the bottom half of the league in defensive rating and they're coming off back-to-back games giving up 120 plus points to the Utah Jazz who came into came into this season expecting to tank for the Victor Wombanyama sweepstakes. And it just gave a back-to-back 120-plus points uh, to to that team. So I think the Blazers' offense will be able to take advantage of their defensive lapses there. And right now, for this matchup coming into it, I have the Blazers slightly better of about four points. So with them catching three and a half, I think it's a lot of value to back the Blazers at home. It's also a perfect spot to back a contrarian home dog in a primetime spot with the Blazers. So... Give me the Blazers getting the points at plus three and a half. And I think they're a little bit alive to win this one out right at home. All right. So there's Jay Smoove going to go ahead. Contrary and pick there, McKenzie going for the Blazers
0: plus the three and a half points there at home. As you mentioned, no Dame Lillard. But, you know, this is a team last year without Dame Lillard that actually looked pretty decent at times. Uh, Now with uh, Anthony Simon stepping in. Blazers might have a shot maybe he's on to something what do you think
1: the Blazers are a lot better than they were even without Damian Lillard last year Jeremy Grant feels like he's found a home and a useful uh, spot right there in Portland and Anthony Simons, still 22 years old we expect him to make that leap so I expect the Blazers to be a lot better and I am not looking to back the Grizzlies after they lost not once but twice to the Jazz I know Morant missed one of those games but I haven't I've slowly ticked up Will Hardy's boys in the Jazz, but I still think those losses says more about the Grizzlies right now than it did about Utah. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough for me to go ahead and get to Memphis
0: in this game, I think because it's going to be potentially a sheep's play. I could see just everybody just flocking to Memphis saying, oh, Dame's out and they're only laying three points. It just seems like a very, very square side to be on, and I don't want any part of that. Uh, Let's jump over to – let's talk about the night game here. It's going to be the Pelicans at the Lakers. Current line of this game right now, Pelicans minus three. We have a total of 229 and a half. Well, Mac, Russell Westbrook came off the bench. Lakers got their first win. They actually looked pretty decent in that game, but they're going to have to deal with Zion. They're going to have to deal with McCollum. No Ingram for this game. And I'm kind of in the camp to go ahead and back the Lakers here, taking the points. Not sure if you like that or if you even agree with it, but let me explain why. I could see Zion maybe – and Zion's been like a key piece to this Pelicans team and, and Valanchunas. Well, they're going to have to deal with LeBron and AD. So they're going to have to have some outside shooting, and they could probably get it with McCollum. But I do think that Ingram will be missed here. But I like the fact that the Lakers actually got a win. They found a home for Westbrook, at least, you know, for, for now. And if, if that – you know, that that might work. And, you know, that, that team got a win. Darvin Ham got his first win on the season. And they were excited. They were happy. And I don't feel like there's that pressure to win the first game of the season anymore. You know, after they were 0-2, it was like, uh, oh, 0-3, 0-4. Like, that pressure starts to mount. It starts to mount. So, like, the Lakers, they might look at the season and go, you know what? It's going to take us time to work this out, but we don't have that added pressure. So I feel like there's a big weight lifted off their shoulders. And, look, just having Russ coming off the bench, That could be a weight lifted off everybody's shoulders. The fact that maybe he's buying in and now he knows, like, look, this is my job. I can go out there and I can go play 32 minutes like he did in the last game. Go get 24 points. Go get your 10 rebounds. Go get your 7 assists. And just go out there and be a part of this team in a different way. So I think maybe the Lakers just completely buy in. You know they're giving 100% in this game. And I really feel like the Pelicans will miss Ingram in this game. And Zion's not going to have those big advantages that he's had. Against some of these other teams, I think AD could probably. I don't. I don't want to say shut him down, but really just limit him. So I like the
1: Lakers here, plus the three points. That's where I'm at. My power ratings loudly agree with you. I mean, Brandon Ingram, probably to the point spread, the most important player to the Pelicans. Still, it's not there. He didn't make the road trip. He's not going to be there. So that puts a lot of pressure on Zion Williamson, who will have not only LeBron but also Anthony Davis, probably the best big defender uh, to contend with. So. I lean Lakers here. I mean, I, I think I've said on this pod, I have a long-standing policy that if I can, i try to avoid betting the Lakers. But again, all the value here seems to be on the Lakers. New Orleans road favorite in LA without their best player. Doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, it's just, I'm not giving it out as a best bet, Mac, but I, I like the Lakers, but it, it's certainly not a best bet for me. But that's, that's the direction I'll go. Uh, we did this last time on our podcast. We talked about a player that, Uh, It's kind of an underperformer, maybe an overperformer. Let me go ahead and start this one out, Mac. Let me give you my hot player. And I didn't want to tell you, you know, pre-podcast who I was picking, but this one might actually surprise you. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say Lori Markkinen. Mm. He's a hot player right now. No doubt. His PER right now, 23.1. That's 29th in the league. I don't know where this guy was in Chicago or in Cleveland, but for some reason with Utah, Markkanen looks like the guy that he was drafted to be. I mean, he came out of Arizona. He was the seventh pick in the draft, and he, he's starting to look like it. His field goal percentage is the highest that it's ever been to go along with his rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Now he's slightly playing a little bit more minutes, which could boost up some of those stats you know, with this Jazz team more than he did with the Bulls and the Cavs. But I think that it should be noted that he's playing his best ball right now. Now I'm not sure you know, if the market has really caught up to him that's something that I have to look into a little bit deeper. He's not a guy that I had on my radar to go and really look for player props, but now, now I think he has to be. So um, that that's my that'll be my overperformer. And let me give you my not so hot performer here, Mac Reggie Bullock. I wonder if he's getting old. He's been in the league for eleven years, and I know that that's not you know uh, that's not old, but for a guy who plays the way that he does. I do worry about that. This is like his lowest scoring season. Now look, we're only six six games into the season, but you've got to go all the way back to sixteen, seventeen when he was with Detroit, you know, to find where his points were actually lower. Right now, he's actually playing the most minutes his career, and I get that he's a defensive guy, but there are concerns. He's averaging more fouls than he's ever had in his entire career. Look at his stats. I mean, Mac, you could easily look at his stuff. I mean, you could pretty much pull pull stats out of a out of a lineup. It, they're all down and it's down by quite a bit. So I do. I wonder if he's getting old and from what I've seen from him on the court this season, he actually looks like a full step slower, especially on the defensive end. His PER is 6.4. I don't know if you can really argue against that. I mean, I doubt it's been that low. I don't even know the last time I would say it's even, it might go back to like the beginning, like when he was like really like in his rookie days, you know, to find a PER that that's low marketing hot, but not not sure what you think about that mac but that's where i'm at with
1: those two guys let me talk a little laurie Markkanen. for several reasons i find it funny that you picked him as the uh <laughs> overachiever and he has been he's been great so we were talking in preseason about the jazz and how terrible they were expected to be and i might have said offhandedly yeah i have the mike conley as their best player well i got in a heated uh twitter discussion about someone that was very pro laurie Markkanen and that. Good for him, by the way, because he ended up being correct. He looks like the best player on the Jazz, better than Colin Sexton, even better than Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year from a couple of years ago. He looks legit. But it's funny to me because Laurie Markkinen's name, I was asked to do a project comparing Europeans to Europeans a while ago, maybe two years ago. And I put Laurie Markkinen's name in the mix. And this was for RJ Bell. He asked me to do this. So we compared all these players, Jokic to Giannis, Giannis to Jokic. Uh, Prazingis to Gobert, Gobert, all the European players thinking there might be some rivalries there. And at the end of the project, we were talking about some of the analysis, some of the discovery. And RJ said, why did you include Laurie Markin? Laurie? He probably didn't know how to pronounce the name. Laurie Markinon." And I'm like, he's good. What do you mean? He's good. He scored like 20 a game his first year in Chicago. This guy's good. And then he wasn't that good for the rest of his time in Chicago. And he really wasn't that relevant in Cleveland. And that take, Laurie Markkinen's good, became kind of a joke <laughs> on my behalf uh, that I thought Laurie Markkinen was one of the top 10 Euros that needed to be in this study of Euro versus Euro. And RJ thought he was just some random guy. And the evidence pointed to him being some random guy, much more than a guy that needed to be a top 10 Euro. Uh, however, the Study, the science keeps going on. New experiments, new theories, new hypotheses. And yes, Laurie Markkinen, thumbs up arrow. Definitely better than expected. Definitely the best player on the Jazz. So with all that being said, I just found it funny that you selected him. Let me go with my underperformer first. You went with Reggie Bullock. Let me go with Rudy Gobert. And I was going to pick Draymond Green, and it's kind of the same idea. When the majority of a player's impact is defensive or non-box score related. It's sometimes hard to gauge how they're fitting in. Well, here's a stat that I think we should monitor. When Rudy Gobert has a plus, plus, minus, the Timberwolves are undefeated. They're 4-0. However, when they lose, and they lost tonight, unfortunately, I had them. Uh, our only loser on the uh, Shark Tank pod, we went 2 and one but lost that one. To the Suns, Rudy Gobert had this stat line. Seven points, one field goal, 32 minutes, minus 14. That makes a fourth loss for the Timberwolves, and a fourth time, Gobert has had a minus 10, plus minus. So when the Timberwolves are beaten, and they've been beaten four out of their eight games so far, Rudy Gobert has essentially been run off the court. They haven't been able to keep him on the court. This was a problem in Utah. This was something that we thought, was going to be alleviated with all that offensive firepower they have in Minnesota, but it was a rough go of it in Phoenix tonight. And uh, for someone that's generally a backer of Rudy Gobert, i bet on Rudy Gobert more than against them uh, for years. Uh, I am concerned that can they keep that offensive juggernaut that they had going while also in cor- incorporating Rudy Gobert? Uh, or does he kind of just drag down the offensive unit without bringing the defense up enough to make it worth it? So, uh, I was bullish on the trade, but, um, you know, they've had a pretty easy schedule, and they're 4-4 four and four right now. So I would be uh, – I'm a little more worried about the Timberwolves, and I think Rudy Gobert and his ability to stay on the court, uh, stay effective on the court, is at the heart of that.
0: I think one of the issues with that, Mac, is that, you know, you go to a new team and it's completely different. Like, he played with Mitchell for how many years? A ball-dominant guard. Like, it was a two-man show there. Yep. There really wasn't anybody out there. So he, he just learned how to play like that specific style, that specific game. He knew what his job was. And then when he came to Minnesota in the first and second game, I noticed that it looked like they were trying to involve him too much into the offense. It was like get him touches. get And I get it. Like he's a new guy. But, you know, try to get him touches here, get him touches there, you know, get get shots up and stuff like that. I think that they're slowly going and, – and they don't have that ball-dominant guard in, in – Uh, Donovan Mitchell on this team you know Edwards wants the ball Cat wants the ball Russell wants the ball so I think it's just a different team right now it's a different role it's a different feel and Minnesota never really had that guy either because Cat always wanted to go ahead and get the hell out of the paint he didn't want to be down there you know banging around and clanging with those big guys all game long it's going to take a little bit of time but I saw Gobert too and I was looking at his stuff I'm like doesn't look too good yet but you know what maybe maybe that's a a good thing for us, and and we're going to wait until he just completely bottoms out, and maybe he's bottoming out here soon, and then, you know, maybe I think we, we probably have a pretty good opportunity to go ahead and maybe fire on, you know, some of his overs maybe in the player prop once people just completely sour on him, so
1: we'll see. You mentioned the guy I think is above expectations. I think he's the MVP favorite right now. Cleveland Cavs Donovan Mitchell has just been uh, essential. I mean, defensively, he's been a lot better. A lot of people have been talking about it, and then big comeback win over the Knicks, 38. That's just what he's doing on a nightly basis. His scoring, highest ever. Field goal shooting, highest ever. Assisting, highest ever. So talking about a guy that comes to a new environment uh, and flourishes right away, what's interesting is that their other lead guard, Darius Garland, hasn't been there. So arguably, they should be a point, a point and a half better, even than what they're doing right now. And they have the best net rating in the league right now at 5-1. and one. So uh, Donovan Mitchell definitely most exceptional player so far this season, and uh, he's my above expectations player. You know, you mentioned MVP. I gotta
0: tell you, I'm gonna start putting some money down on John Morant though. Like I think that that's something at a ticket at 12 to 1, 15 to 1. You can find that. I think that's certainly a ticket that uh that I want to have in my pocket. I mean, that dude's just doing whatever the hell he wants. Here's what you guys can do. You guys could do whatever you want with this. And I have a coupon code, Mac, my first ever coupon code, pregame.com, came up with this the other day. This will be the first time ever offered, and it actually is a package. Now, they want to do a one-year all-access package where people were coming and they were buying my plays each and every day. And shout out to those dudes, and I know a lot of you people listening you know, are big supporters of mine and, and purchase my picks every day. But look, they're, they're trying to give you the best deal that they possibly can. It's one year all access. You get every pick from every sport that I release for one entire year, 365 days. That includes game of the year, special picks, any of the hot picks, game of the month, game of the week. With the special discount access right now, you guys could save over 50% compared to just buying daily. So let's just say you were uh, purchasing my daily picks for you know, 365 days, but I roughly don't, I don't release picks every single day, but generally somewhere around, you know, 320, 325, somewhere in that area, it would cost you like 1600 bucks to go ahead and buy my stuff each and every day. And I know a lot of you guys buy my stuff a lot, like every day, but with this special offer, you guys could save basically 50% and the price they posted was 795 plus take this 20% off using code sleep 20 and you only have to pay $636 for the entire year. So what is it? it? It's like not even two bucks a pick. That's one of the best deals that pregame has ever offered. So if you guys are looking to go ahead and pick me up and end up with, a you know, my entire year package. And I can tell you right now over like the last three years, I think I've won. I'm like plus 85 units over the last three years of all sports combined. So. I'm not going to sit here and pound my chest, but look, this is a good deal. And I think it's pretty cool that pregame actually would do that for me. So uh, don't wait, act now. It's my first all-year access, and you guys could save a little bit of cash there just by entering code SLEEP20. Uh, with that out of the way, let's get into a best bet here. I have one there, Mac. I'm not sure if you have one for this podcast, but I have one here. I actually think you'll be a supporter of my pick. Curious if you got a best bet or do you want me to go ahead and rip a run.
1: I'll have a best bet, but you go first, and I'll uh, I'll have my best bet ready when you're done. Oh, so you're going to save it. See, maybe I'm, I'm secretly hoping that you have the same
0: pick that I do. All right, so I think I'm going to do this one pretty short and pretty sweet. I'll make this one simple. I'm going to go and I'm going to take the Rockets plus five at home versus the Clippers. The Clippers, it seems like they're really in no rush to get Kawhi back on the floor right now, and it seems like, Kawhi is actually starting to have a little bit of issues. There's some tightness going on in his knee and that's going to prevent him from even traveling with the team uh, for this road trip that are going to be on. Now the Clippers just played the Rockets in LA and the only one that came by two points, the Rockets won one game all year long and they've lost four straight now. So this is kind of, I don't want to say it's, this is an all in effort, but the Rockets just played four straight games on the road. So they haven't been at home for a while and their last win was actually at home. The Rockets, I believe, only played two home games all year long. And in the, I think it was their first home game, they played Memphis, and they only lost that game by seven. And I actually think that Memphis is better than the Clippers. So right now the Clippers, they're just not covering spreads on the road. Plus five to me seems like it's too much to pass up. So I like the situational angle here, and I kind of like the numbers that I'm seeing. So I'll make my best bet the Rockets there mackenzie plus the five points not sure if you're a supporter or a naysayer on this one but that's what i like i like the rockets quite a bit there against the clippers i think they uh have a pretty good chance to upset maybe even win that one out
1: right at home it's an interesting pick my power rankings make this clippers minus six with no kawaii however we just talked about immediate revenge spot and i feel like the clippers uh have been sleepwalking i mean talk about the lakers offense the clippers have the second worst offense So that's not something you can kind of just pick up and say, all right, let's shoot better today. Defense is more like that. It's more about an effort thing. But I feel like the Clippers uh, just are kind of sixes and sevens right now uh, on offense, and I don't expect that to change. Maybe when Kawhi comes back, they can have a little more balance. Uh, But when it's just Paul George and Reggie Jackson, uh, John Wall coming off the bench, it seems uh, out of sorts. So – I feel like I agree with you that the Rockets are going to be more motivated to get off the snide and end this losing streak, especially after a tough uh, clutch loss against the Clippers. So I lean to that way, but it's it's uh, close to me. My power rankings lean the other way, so I'm going to pass the game. But uh, I'm surprised you thought that was going to be my best bet. You're like, oh, maybe we picked the same thing. Uh, I was hoping. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, It's always good to get that encouragement. Uh, I'm going to go not with the home dog, but rather a road dog. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks getting two right now at New York. Uh, let's go back to the playoff series. These guys played against Trey Young in Madison Square Garden was uh, fantastic throughout that playoff round. And the more the he's balding, uh, you know, the more they got at him, uh, the crowd did, the more it became a thing, the more I feel like he responded and he had that big game winner in that playoff series. And I feel like Trey Young uh, against New York is just going to be a thing for years to come. And this line says the Knicks are the same team as the Hawks. I don't see it. I don't see it. I know the Knicks have, um, you know, impressed this season. Still, entering the season, I had the Knicks three points worse than the Hawks. I haven't downgraded the Hawks at all. I've upgraded the Knicks one. So it's a pure value play for me. I feel like the Knicks team, again, is still getting... A little bit too much credit for, uh, for, for some early season success where Atlanta, last since that playoff run, uh, really since Nate McMillan took over, their metrics say they're about two points better than an average team. So I think they're about two points better than the Knicks. This line says they're even teams. Value, give me the Hawks, plus the two at Madison Square Garden.
0: All right, I dig it. You sold me on that one. I do want to bring up a New York team here, and it's not the Knicks. It's the Nets. I was watching the news cycle today the there, Mac, and, you know, I see Hawkinson going to the Vikings, and I see Claypool going to the Bears, and and I was all dialed into the NFL today, and I'm re- I'm like, what? Steve Nash got let go. I'm like, when the hell did this happen? I'm like, well, who's going to be the interim? And then I see they're talking about bringing in Emiyadoku, and I was like, this just got really bizarre really quick all day long because all these NFL moves were coming in, and then I see this NBA news, and I'm like, dude, this is like a crazy news day. Like, this would have been a great day. Um, if you were live on air, you know, with all this like breaking news and crazy stuff going on just to be on air, just, you know, for instant reaction. So I know you didn't expect me to bring this topic up there, Mackenzie, but tell me how you're feeling about the, the entire net situation with, you know, Nash leaving and talking about bringing in Emmy Adoku as the head coach. Like, what did you make of all that? How'd you feel?
1: Well, right now I feel uh, in my feelings a bit because I had the Nets tonight. I thought they were going to respond. I thought they didn't want to work for Steve Nash. Steve Nash apparently told Sean Marks they're not responding to me. So that's how you know people will say, "Oh, well, mutual agreement." Yeah, it's never a hundred percent mutual, but sometimes the writing's on the wall. Both the employee and the employer can look at it and say, "We're probably not going to be able to continue this much longer." That's what I think happened, and they didn't respond, or at least they didn't in the second half and. That speaks to something that's not about effort, but about roster construction. They just are a very thin team when one of the two doesn't have it going. Ben Simmons was out tonight, but he hasn't been anything that would change this. Kyrie was cold, zero points in the first half. Kevin Durant, he couldn't keep it going. He couldn't score a 70, which is what they would probably need to continue that offensive pace that they had in the first half. 58 points in the first half versus the Bulls, just ran out of steam, only 41 in the second half. I can't I keep expecting the Nets to pick it up. I kind of think they will now that they have um a coach that was one of their assistants. Uh, you know, when they were a lot better, when they were killing teams back when James Harden was there defensively, offensively, they were just a lot better team back then. So maybe they have that potential to get back to. But um just really, really poor showing tonight. I mean, they're two and five at home versus a team that's not that good with a six point lead going into half. Tired or not, uh if they were the team I thought they were, they would have figured out a way to cover. Uh, they're not. So I made a major downgrade so that I won't be tempted to bet on them in the near future. Uh point and a half downgrade because they just just, um, Ben Simmons or not, they should have had a second better second half performance. And um, yeah, m- mentally, maybe they're, maybe they're not all quite there. I'll tell you right now that Ben Simmons was next in line for my
0: underperformer. Uh, you know, with the amount of minutes that guy's playing, the stats that he's putting up, doesn't look good right now, but we'll see. Sometimes I wonder, you know, why they fire a coach and it's like, well, is it really the coach's fault? Like the players aren't doing, you know, jack shit out there on the court. Sometimes I think that they should get fired and the coach should, you know, be sitting there like, well, I'm doing my job, but these guys aren't. You know, it's but that's it never works out that way. I actually think that the NBA will move in a direction of that in some way, shape or form, because there's going to be coaches eventually that get fired or is going to be like this. You know, fire sale of coaches that are going to end up revolting against the nba going you know this isn't fair that we're all getting fired and our and our teams suck our gms suck you know guaranteed
1: I mean? so. contracts is the big difference i mean coaches have guaranteed contracts too but when you fire them you pay them a certain amount of money and it doesn't affect your salary cap and they go away go back to park slope uh with steve nash and you know enjoy brooklyn lifestyle when you fire a player or release them. Not only do you have to still pay them every single dollar of that contract in the NBA guaranteed contracts, but they still prevent you from getting somebody else because of the salary cap. So, uh, yeah, in a perfect world, usually the guy that's underperforming the most should get the most heat. That's definitely the players in this situation. I mean, no coach is going to make you lose as a 12-point favorite at home to the Pacers. It's not a coach thing. That's a player thing. So I agree with your, your sentiment, but uh, the nuts and bolts and reality of the NBA says, uh, look at Frank Vogel. Didn't really do a bad job in L.A. I don't think there's one person in America that said Frank Vogel did a bad job at any point in his tenure as coaching the Lakers. You could say the same thing for Steve Nash. Maybe you could quibble and say here or there he messed up, but it wasn't his coaching, but it was uh, the team not responding to him. As he said, they're not responding to me. That's why. They had to make this move.
0: I think that may have been intentional because they already were talking about, you know, getting rid of him before the season even started. Like the guys didn't even want to come back or, or play. You know, I, I think one of the things that, that we fall into at times there, Mackenzie, and I'm not sure if you ever ran the numbers on this, but, you know, what what happens when a coach gets fired and you have an interim steps in? Like wh- what does the team generally do? Well, I think a lot of people knee-jerk react and just say, yeah, we're going to back the team that got rid of the guy that, you know, that, that, that they didn't want there anymore. But I think what's neat is that they run his system after he gets fired for how long until the interim comes in and just changes everything around. Like, I think at some point that there's a gap where a team really struggles after they get rid of their head coach, because now they have to adapt to a completely new style. So if you have numbers there, I'd love to hear them, but I I have a feeling like there's just, there's a downward spiral for a period of time. Maybe it's, you know, two, three, four, five games, something like that. There may well be,
1: there may well be. I've been, uh, interested in the number because i was making it part of my bet part of my write-up for this game and it was immediately after the game after sometimes it's the same day it actually happened three or four times or it was the same day like today coach got fired team has a game that night last 10 years it was 16 and 8 entering tonight now it's 16 and 9 so generally teams respond in the very very near term whether they falter after after that and have a little bit of swoon until they can kind of get new principles makes sense to me um I don't know why I'm defending a pick that lost, but the numbers said it should have won. That's all. That's 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 my that's that's what I'm talking about.
0: Listen, that's what we're here for, Mackenzie. We're allowed to defend ourselves <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, we I guess we should defend ourselves from what happened with our featured segment last week. We had our Wednesday five where Mackenzie and I we go ahead we pick five players to score the most co- points combined, and we post those five picks in the Pregame dot com forum. Uh, there will be a thread in there stuck at the top of the forum. You guys go in there. Put your five players that you think will have the highest combined score at the end of Wednesday night's game. That thread locks at 7 p.m. and we'll add up all the points, and the winner gets 55 pre-game bulk dollars in their account. Bulk dollars they spend just like cash on the site, and you could basically go in there and you can get picks for free. Now, last week we had 140 points, Mac. The week prior we had 139. Now, last week's record or the record so far was 161. The guy last week, yep, he had one hundred and sixty-two, and that was uh, D Clink or De Clink or however you want to say his name, but yeah, he had a pretty solid team. And we went chalk last week there, Mac. We 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 were like, yeah, screw it, we're gonna go chalk this week. We're blowing everybody out of the water, and uh, didn't turn out too well. No, our boy Mitchell didn't show up, so
1: he's not on our list this week. Not sure how you felt about our team, or it's funny because I felt we were solid. I mean, but. Hard not to be solid when you go chalk. So we were 19th out of 40, I think, uh, right around there both weeks. So, you know, we're solid, you know, we're we're setting the pace, but uh, we need to do better. We need to win one of those things. So the guy that won it chose Anthony Edwards, who we talked about a lot on the podcast because we liked his over prop and we thought he was going to respond big after being called out by Carl Anthony Towns. So maybe our um, our insights helped inform the winner, but that winner was not us. So alas. Uh, I think we're going to go at least in one or two spots a little. We're not going to pick Giannis, just so you know, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert. We're going to go a little bit off the beaten path here because um, finishing in the top half is great, but you don't get no bulk dollars and you don't get no pat on the back unless you win it all. That's what we're going to try to do.
0: All right. So let's start out with probably the chalkiest play that we have here. And that's going to be Luca. We haven't. I, I think we use Luka once. But anyways, we're, we're using Luca because, you know what, we want chalk, and we want a guy that can go out there and put 40 up. So uh, I think that's an easy explanation. We're taking Luca, And then the next guy we're going to take is going to be Paul George. Paul George came on in the last game. Uh, I mentioned it in my handicap before when I, I told you that I really liked Houston plus the five. There's not going to be any Kawhi. And I think PG is like, all right, cool. Maybe, maybe Kawhi's out for, you know, four or five games, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, who knows. But I think right now he needs to take the controls. So I think PG's in line maybe for a big game here. Mac, how do you feel about PG being added to the list? We haven't used him yet this season.
1: I like it. I felt like in desperate times came a great performance from Paul George. They were down late. I think five with a minute to go against the Rockets, came back and won it. And it was all Paul George. And I feel like we've been talking about the Clippers offense, second worst in the league, only in front of the Lakers. Somebody's going to have to put the cape on and improve that. And I don't think it's going to be John Wall. So I expect – I agree with you. I think a Paul George big performance is in the offing. All right. So
0: here's a guy who always has
1: a cape on, and that's John Morant. we got to use him there, Mac.
0: Um, What's he averaging, like 32, 33 points per game? I mean, this dude's just doing whatever he wants. He's unguardable. So – and I think – I think if memory serves me correct there, McKenzie, the two winning lineups have had John Morant in them. Yep. So – we're taking John Morant, so that's an easy one. I'll let you talk about McCollum. He was kind of a, our guy from left field that we didn't think anybody was going to take, so we're going to put CJ in there, but you know what, what makes you feel pretty optimistic
1: about CJ? Really like McCollum in this spot because as bad as the Lakers' offense has been, the market is expecting an up-and-down game here. 230 is the over-under. That's not because of the Lakers' pace. It's because of the Pelicans' pace. They like to get up-and-down. And they don't have a lot of their scores, a lot of their scoring output. Brandon Ingram's not going to be there. And Zion Williamson never, I don't think, at least this season, hasn't had a matchup in Anthony Davis. And LeBron can switch on him too. He hasn't had that kind of combo size to deal with. Uh, all of his shots this season have been right, right next to the cup. So if that is dialed back 10 15%, I feel like C.J. McCollum is the guy that's going uh, to be pushing the issue. And the Lakers have given up the fourth most points to opposing guards, and I expect that to continue. Big night for C.J. McCollum.
0: Curious what Zion's done against AD or LeBron, or has he even played against them? Because there have been, between the three of them, I think it was hard to get, it might have been really hard to go ahead and get those three guys on the court together. I'm just curious what Zion might have done against those guys.
1: So it looks like Zion has played two games versus Anthony Davis. Uh, So you're right, in two years, or three years, no, yeah, two years he's been in the league, he's only... Met up with him twice because usually one of them's out. 25 points per game, but here's the key thing. 45% shooting. This is a guy that was at 61%, 27 a game his last full healthy season. Under 45% both of the times against Anthony Davis. So I expect him, um, maybe he'll get to 25, his normal number, but it's going to take a few more shots. He'll be a little bit less effective than versus other uh, non-Anthony Davis defenders. All right. So we got CJ. Our final one here, Mac, is going to be Tatum. I don't want to
0: say that that's Jock, but I feel like it's Jock and I feel like he has a good chance to maybe put up like thirty five, forty points in this game. I just felt really good about Tatum coming off of a you know, a little bit of rest here. So I like Tatum, so that was my pick. I'm not sure how much of a supporter you were of that one there, Mac, but he was he was certainly a guy that I I don't think a lot of people will take, but
1: I'm taking him. I like it. I mean revenge spot for Boston, they got they lost in Boston to these Cavs in overtime. Gave up a late lead. Now they go to Cleveland. I feel like he's going to respond. Uh 50% shooting last time out versus Cleveland, 32 points. I feel like he's going to respond. I feel like the team needs it. They're going to play him extra minutes. Uh, I think it's going to be a statement game for the Celtics, and Jason Tatum's going to be a big part of that.
0: I think one of the things, and I don't know if really if anybody's really noticed, but you know, Marcus Smart hasn't been shooting a lot. Al Horford hasn't been shooting a lot, just hasn't been really good, you know. So it's kind of been more you know, more of just Tatum and Brown and those guys seem like they're really just like they're getting their shots up. So let's hope Tatum does something good here. Uh before we go to wrap this up, we gotta get to our agreed upon player prop. And McKenzie, we've been doing pretty good with these. I think our last one we hit, we gave out uh did we we give out Chris
1: Paul, right? I think we we, we yep. cashed that one. Chris Paul we gave out and it won. And the prop that we didn't give out won. So very effective with our prop analysis so far this season. Four and one on official plays. Let's let's keep it up. All right, so let's
0: make this easy. We're gonna go. We'll play Paul George over twenty four and a half points. Look, I, I think Paul George, like I said just two minutes ago, he's he has to take the reins right now with this with this Clippers team. Uh, they're two and four in the season, and it's now going to come down on him. Yeah, Kawhi's not there, but you know what, dude, you got to step up. You got to do your job. So I think PG will have a pretty good night here. Uh, against the Rockets, he's actually been pretty good. He's gone over this number three out of last four and six out of last eight. So it's it's a pretty basic handicap there, Mac. I, I would probably think he flirts with, you know, 30, 35 points in this game. 24 and a half just seems like way too low. I could, I could see PG getting this before the fourth quarter even starts. If he starts bombing away from three and he starts clicking a couple early, forget it. I mean, we could live bet this over,
1: over 24 and a half I like that one all day again. This Clippers offense just hasn't been there except down the stretch against the Rockets last time out when Paul George put the team on his back. Uh, Without quiet Leonard again, I expect to see the same thing again. Paul George over 24 and a half.
0: All right. So pretty short and sweet, simple. That's another winner. And I know you guys are playing these because we see you guys on Twitter. Keep cheering us on or rooting us on. We're doing pretty well, but that'll wrap it up there, guys. Uh, For the NBA Dream Podcast, this has been the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Uh, You guys can find Mackenzie and I on Twitter at Macken Rivers at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast, use that coupon code SLEEP20 at pregame.com. But all that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Wednesday. Enjoy the game.